Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Synergy Conference held in Gahanna, Ohio at Pathway Church. For more information, please visit our website, ohioministry.net. Thank you for coming this morning and being a part of this session. I'm going to sit down a little bit if that's okay, just to uh, relax a little bit and, uh, and join you. Just to gauge, uh, how many children's ministry people do we have here? A couple? Youth ministry? Uh, boys ministry? Girls ministry? Adult ministry or any other ministry? Board members? Anything like that. So we got a, a good spread of, of people this morning. Uh, as Lance said, my name is Matt Kelly. Um, I grew up uh, in a small town up in northeast Ohio called Southington, Ohio. Anybody familiar with where Southington, Ohio is? Nobody? Uh, yeah, not too many people do. It's a, it's a small town right outside of Warren, Ohio. I grew up there attending uh, First Assembly of God in Warren. I know we have a couple people from Warren here this morning. I uh, attended CBC and, uh, from, and graduated in 2006 with my uh, bachelor's in, in youth ministry. Met my wife there, Kim, who was in the session. Uh, we got married in 2004, coming up on our 10-year anniversary. We have one daughter uh, who is five. Her name is Annalise, and um, she is pretty awesome. Uh, so we, we love her quite a bit. Uh, from, from CBC, we went and uh, were youth pastors in Louisville, Ohio, which is right outside Canton, uh, there for six years. And when God transitioned us, uh, well, while we were there in, in Louisville, I really I helped participate in directing camps, uh, summer camps, uh, for the Ohio Youth Ministry as well. So when God transitioned us out of youth ministry, this door opened in the network office, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, it's not that I have a huge background in events or, or any type of knowledge that would really make me um, super qualified for this type of position, um, but, but God had a, a, another plan, and, and so this is what I'm doing, and, and I really enjoy it, and I, and I really do love it. I'm appreciative to, uh, to Tom Grode, our student ministries director, as well as the Ohio Ministry Network, and just giving me the opportunity to, to plan events for uh, students across the state of Ohio. Um, I've been there a year and a half, and have learned probably a lot in that year and a half. Um, most of what not to do, and uh, many of you who have planned events, you, you can testify to that, that you learn pretty quick what not to do. Um, and, so, and so I want to be able to share just some of the, that with you. And, and so before we start, uh, or let me say this, our highest value just in, in being here today, to be honest, you're probably not going to remember what much of what I say, um, but what you will remember are the relationships that you form here, uh, the pe- people that you connect with, not just in this session, but multiple sessions. Um, that, that is what you're really going to remember. So I want to encourage you uh, at Synergy, at an event like this, to continue to, to build those relationships, not just with the people uh, from your own congregation and your own church and your own leadership team, but outside of that leadership team. And so people in this room and, and sharing and collaborating on ideas. And, and I know just as a youth pastor, those were some of the most valuable times to me is, uh, we're, we're taking and sharing with other youth pastors. Oh, you did this, and man, I could take that and modify that for uh, for my group as well. And so, continue to build those relationships. Also, the resources from these sessions uh, all all day long will be available on ahaministry.net uh, for download with audio, as well as sermon notes and all that stuff. And so, I uh, make sure you check that out once the event is over. Want to want to be able to get a, a good range this morning of uh, what kind of events have you guys planned in the past. And so I'm going to ask my wife, who probably has the better handwriting, 
I would ask Lance, but uh, he said you wouldn't be able to read it. And so um, Kim is going to write down. So let, let's just throw out what kind of events do you have experience planning? Because that will give me an idea. Okay, do, are we talking big? Are we talking small? Are we talking everywhere in between? Give us some, some starting points. And so just by show of hands or, or volunteer, like what kind of events have you planned in the past been a part of? Yes. Fall festival. A fall festival. Anything else? What else? Christmas productions. We could probably lump Easter productions in with that yeah. as well. Holiday. We had a church anniversary 100 years. Okay. 100-year anniversary. Yes. Children's ministry, Pigros fundraiser. Pigros, hey, fundraisers, yeah. <laughs> fundraisers of all, all sorts and, and varieties. Yes, please. Anything, what else? Coming up with ideas for ladies' groups. Okay. So just small, like, social gatherings. Okay. So social gatherings, and that relates to women's ministry and men's ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry. They all like to have social gatherings. Any Anything else? Eric? Youth retreats. Retreats? Health fairs. What's that? Health fairs. Health fairs. Game nights. Okay. Game nights. Church picnics. <laughs> how far are we? How are we throwing them out a little too fast for you? It's okay. Picnics. Did you catch that? I'm just short. <laughs> uh, yes. VBS. Any, any, any other events that you guys can think of that you've been a part of or your church experience? It's a pretty, I mean, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty good list uh, to go off of. And it ranges anywhere from, from large events to small events. And what my hope is this morning is just to share with you uh, at least some things that can carry over, regard, irregardless of how big or small your event is. There, there are some basic things that you'll, you'll want to, uh, um, oh, yeah, mission trip, good one. That was mine. Yeah, thank you. And so just to try to share some basic principles that when you go into event planning to, um, to try to cover. And it's going to cover. And then we'll get more into specific with some of your questions. And, and we'll get into that in uh, just a moment. Uh, so get ready to write because okay. there's going to be more. Um, <laughs> but before I do that, the purpose of events. Because all these events, um, they, they might have different themes. They may be reaching a different target audience. Uh, you may be promoting in a different way. But, but ultimately, um, they all have a purpose. And, and what are the purposes of our events? What's the biblical support for purposes? I'm going to be honest. This, there's not going to be a ton of spiritual content in this message uh, or in this presentation, trying to keep it a little bit more practical. But there is biblical precedence when we look at events in the Bible. We look at the Old Testament and God giving very detailed instructions on the events uh, that were hap to happen, the celebrations, the, 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 the Passover, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, all these different events that, that God laid out for the, his, his, his chosen people to celebrate, not just laid out and say, hey, have a party on this day, but gave very detailed instructions on what was to happen, when it was to happen. We look at, at the example of Jesus in the New Testament, and uh, John chapter 2, where Jesus' first miracle 
uh, recorded miracle didn't happen on the side of the street. It happened at an event uh, at a wedding feast where he turned water into wine. Events were very significant in, in Christ's life. The feeding of 5,000 people uh, on, the, on the, the hillside. Yeah, we might see it as, as just Jesus preaching a sermon, but if, if you got 5,000 people, I, that's not just called a sermon. That's called a conference. And so Jesus is, is there presenting to 5,000 people, not to mention uh, all the dinner parties that Jesus invited himself over to. Uh, to have a party. So can you imagine, like, moment's notice, we, we all know when it comes to event, you need to be flexible and uh, be adaptable. And so can you imagine, imagine Zacchaeus up in the tree and Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to your house today for dinner. Whew, I know my wife would probably freak out a little bit. Is our house clean? Is it, what am I going to cook? And, and so uh, we, we see that precedent set, set, forth, set before us in scripture, even in Jesus' life. But events do a couple things for us. They give us a couple opportunities that weren't, really not going to find outside or, or anywhere else. And, and, and this, is, this is, to me, the real purpose of events. Because events, first and foremost, they, they provide us an experience um, or give us an opportunity uh, to offer an experience that, that people typically would not have. They give us an opportunity to, to offer an experience that, that people typically wouldn't have anywhere else. Um, we have Sunday morning service. We have Wednesday night service. And those are good, but I know for me some of the most spiritually defining moments in my life didn't happen on a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night service. They happened at youth retreats. Um, they happened at, uh, for our kids when we were in youth ministry, happened at our summer camps, um, happened at, at different events where, where students come expecting and there's a different atmosphere and, and um, they seclude themselves from a little bit outside work to focus on one specific thing. We're here to focus on seeking the Lord. We're here to focus on worship and, and nothing else matters. And there's something special that happens uh, at those types of events. And so they, they, they give us an opportunity to experience something that we wouldn't otherwise experience. And, and that's, for me, one of the defining moments, especially within the Ohio Youth Ministry, that we want to set up events, events that students can have a, a, a unique experience that they wouldn't find anywhere else. Um, they wouldn't have anywhere else at, at a REACH conference together with a couple thousand other students uh, to seek to, to worship and to hear messages and to, to pray for their f- friends and to, to hear how they can uh, reach the lost. Um, when you come to camp and, and just the experiences of being around hundreds of other students for a week and, and just having that closed off kind of uh, experience where you're, you're, you're seeking after the Lord. Even, uh, and so that's one of our hearts. Uh, the other thing is uh, the, it gives us an opportunity to reach people that we typically wouldn't reach. When you think about uh, your missions trips or, or even your fall fest or some of the other things, that, the Christmas and Easter outreaches uh, that, that we do, typically th- these are reaching people that we otherwise wouldn't reach. They wouldn't step in possibly to our church for any other reason, uh, but, but they're attending this event. And so it gives us an open door and an avenue to reach these people. Uh, and when we were in Louisville, we did this festival called the Harvest, uh, not Harvest, but Heritage Days. I thought it was the dumbest thing we've ever done before in my life because really all we did was we dressed up like we were from the 60s or 50s or 20s and people dressed up kind of weird and we had a pig roast and, and stuff like that. But it, I thought it was kind of goofy. But people got excited about it and told their friends about it and so their, their friends came to our church, which they otherwise wouldn't come and we had quite a few people start attending our church because we did this goofy thing called Heritage Days. And, and it may seem goofy, but it, it definitely uh, gives us the opportunity to reach people that we never would have reached before. 
events also give us the opportunity to build relationships with people that we otherwise wouldn't get to know. For us in youth ministry, it was, it was there were we would do this thing during BBS, uh, where we would do a missions a missions trip with our students. Um, we treated it as a missions trip to our with our students, and just call it a missions trip to nowhere. And so we would come, and the students would sleep at the church all week long. Uh, we would we would line up families to provide dinner and have activities for them in the evenings. But we, they would help at our VBS all week long, uh, do projects around the church during the day, and then have go swim in at night and do a cookout or something like that. And um, it was during those times that relationships really forged. When you have students working together and basically living together, it, it develops a community. Uh, that we wouldn't have had anywhere else. Uh, we had a missions trip to, to New Jersey that we took a number of kids. And just the relationships that were forged during that time um, will, not, will not soon be lost or soon be broken. And so uh, they, events give us the opportunity to build relationships with people that we typically wouldn't have. And then it also gives us, uh, lastly, uh, the opportunity to serve where we normally wouldn't serve. And so when you have some of these types of events that we listed over here, it provides people in your church, in your congregation, in your groups, the ability to step up and do something that they normally wouldn't get to do on a typical Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or on a, an, another church activity. When you look at Christmas and Easter, the amount of work that goes into production from running the lights to running the sound equipment to... <laughs> so, <laughs> That sounds like somebody who may be in the midst of an Easter production back there. Um, but yeah, when you think about these things that, that you normally wouldn't do, a person who is great at drama isn't necessarily going to always get the opportunity to present that on a Sunday morning. But when you do something like this, they can serve in that way and use their gifts in that way that um, they normally wouldn't get to use. And so though, to me, those are some of the key uh, elements um, in in. in providing events, some of the key opportunities that, that it, it allows us to have. At this time, what I want to do is kind of get a, a general idea, because I, I have a number of directions we could go and talk about events, but I want to make sure this session is pertinent to your situation and where you're at and what kind of information you're looking to gain from, the, from uh, this morning. And so with that in mind, I'm going to have to ask my wife again to, uh, to, to step up. Okay, okay, perfect. Now we're down on that. Perfect. All right. We'll try to go a little bit slower. Um, to try to keep to try to keep up, and so what type of questions, uh, what type of information are you looking to to gain out of this session, and and that'll really help give some direction, make sure that we're hitting on some of those things, so you're not walking out of here with unanswered questions or or, or something like that. So anybody, any questions, any areas that you're really hoping to hit on? Yes. What kind of what kind of advertising works best? Okay, advertising. Yeah, advertising, marketing, <coughs> promotion. Perfect. Yes. Some of the pitfalls that we are to avoid. Pitfalls to avoid. Okay. That could be an all-day thing. <laughs> new ideas. Okay. New ideas. Yeah. How to plan an event when you really don't know how many are coming. Okay. Planning for unexpected, huh? Okay. Yes. Where to start whenever you're and it, uh, just you have just a plan. You know what I mean? Where to start whenever you're planning. Yeah. Okay, so where where to start? Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else? How to incorporate the children with the adults? Okay, yeah. children with adults. 
Um, how, how to plan events when you have a small workforce. Okay. And so volunteer church. recruitment and... Small church. Okay. Any other questions that we could try, we can attempt to hit on this morning? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think we're pretty good, so. All right, well, thank you for, uh, for writing over there. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off and be honest with you. I don't have a, a degree or a lot of formal education when it comes to event planning. Um, like I said, my degree is in youth ministry, and so there's, there's some experience there. And so some of these questions, um, my dad has a habit of uh, making up, making things up when he doesn't know the answer. And um, I'm not going to do that to you this morning. And so there are going to be some of these things where I'm going to say, I really don't know. I really don't know how to do that. Um, I haven't been in that situation before. Um, if I know of a resource, and so maybe may, I'm going to draw on maybe some of your expertise, and we're going to have a, some dialogue when it comes to something uh, that I may not have a ton of experience with. And so that's the beauty of having a setting like this is that we can collaborate because it sounds like we've all planned some events at some capacity before. And what I may not know, you may. And so we're going we're gonna to try to hit some, through some of these things. But before I do, I want to hit on, on just some common elements uh, when it comes to event planning. And so I'm going to ask Lance to come up. We have some, some resources here. Uh, a, bo a book that I have found invaluable that, that really does a great job of, of covering events from A to Z. And so I, I have, I think, 20 of them. And we have a little bit more than 20 people, so I'm, I'm going to ask if you're from the same church, just take one copy. Um, but this is, a, an, a, this is a, a material put out by, uh, by Outreach, which is basically a, um, a promotional company that, that hosts like comedians and different artists and stuff like that. But what they have done is put an event planning guide. Uh, you can also find this online if you just Google uh, event or outreach event planning guide. You'll find a, a PDF that you can download. Uh, we'll put make that available on the website as well. Um, but this is a, a great resource just to go through. It, it walks you really from from start to finish on how to plan an event. So we can keep these? Yes, yes. Those are for you to keep and for to take. Yeah, see? There you go. Hopefully you haven't read it yet because uh, it might seal some of my material. But but this is a, a great, regardless of how big or small, it's just going to walk you through some very basic things when it comes to event planning. It uh, gives you some great worksheets to work off of and it gives you some financial things, some timeline things. We'll, we'll talk about those in, in just a minute. But uh, this is a great resource for you to go and, and to take and to begin to look through. Um, it, it's not maybe going to answer every single one of your questions, but it's a great, it's a great starting point. I, uh, one of my phrases, which has become a recent phrase and something that I feel is, is very good and kind of going to set the precedence as we approach every event, um, and it wasn't necessarily a spoken phrase, but it, it's going to be now, is that when you approach a, a, an event, um, you need to go into it with the attitude that you're going to expect the best, but you're going to plan for the worst, okay? You're going to expect the best, but you need to plan for the worst. And, and when it comes to planning events, it, the, your event is going to... The, it's going to succeed or fail, and the tipping point is going to be on the details. Rarely is it going to be, um, hey, we forgot to cast the lead role in this Christmas play. Uh, yeah, you might have somebody who gets sick in the Christmas play, but the details is that, okay, who is backing up that person? Uh, the detail is, is having a plan uh, for worst-case scenarios. 
and planning those things out. It, we, we all heard the expression before that, that, um, that we don't, I don't want to mess this up. A failure to plan is, is, is not planning to fail. I, I know I messed that up. What's that whole? Fail, fail, plan, plan, fail. There we go. Thank you. And so we, we need to set up a, a plan. Otherwise, we're, we're going to end up failing. And so having a plan in place. But when you start an event, what is your goal of that event? Who is your target audience? Uh, is this going to be a fellowship? Is it going to be an outreach? Is it going to be a fundraiser? Uh, because once you set that goal of the event, it's going to start to drive everything else. Uh, how you approach it. What is going to be your, your driving for I think sometimes when we start planning events, we don't necessarily have a main goal in mind. And then it, before we know it, it's so out of control that, that everybody has their idea of we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this to the point where it's just complete chaos. And you say, wait a minute, what's our goal? And we need to have laser focus when it comes to, to what our goal is and being intentional. If we're planning a fall festival, is, that, is the goal of that fall festival outreach? The goal of that fall festival, is it fellowship? What is the, oh, and, and yeah, fellowship may happen as a result of a fall festival, but if your goal of that fall festival is outreach, that should be your driving force, not, not setting up for fellowship. Fellowship is going to happen as a byproduct, but your goal needs to be outreach. What are you doing to, to impact the community? What are you doing to get people on board? Uh, having that outreach and letting that be your focus. So develop a, a goal. Uh, sometimes that can be an easy thing, and sometimes that can be a hard thing, often depending on how many people you have involved in that process. Um, but, but set your goal. The next thing is, is a budget. What's your budget? This booklet is going to do a great job of walking you through how to set a, a budget. And one of the things in there that it does is it will give you different breakdowns, but then also set percentages of what your overall percentage of each area should be in your overall budget. Uh, outreach is, I will say, is a promotional company. They have promotional pieces. And so in my experience, they set their promotional budget a way bit higher than, uh, than what we have. I think they set it for like 17%. You don't need to spend 17% of your budget on promotion. Um, and so that those can vary, but it does give uh, some realistic and, and good uh, place to start budget. But also to ask yourself when it comes to budget, who's going to be funding this event? Is this coming out of the church General fund, if it's an outreach, that would probably be a good idea. If it's a fellowship, um, are you asking people to donate money? Are you going to be selling tickets? Uh, what type of, uh, where is that money going to be coming from? Are you doing fundraisers to support this event? You need to, to have all those things, types of things in place um, and, and, and get into the details of it. Uh, next is, and I'm just going to go through these quickly because these are, again, just general things that we probably all have a good idea on, um, but just want to give a general overview. Develop a theme. Develop a theme. So you don't just want a goal, but then you want a specific theme uh, because a the theme is going to uh, give you direction. Um, if, you're, if you're talking, uh, if you're doing uh, a youth retreat and, and you, you know the goal for that is going to be discipleship, you want these students to go deeper in their walk with Christ, what is going to be the theme that's going to surround it? Because you can go so many different ways with the discipleship, All right, but what is that one theme that you're going to want to hit on? Because that, that, that's also going to carry into your marketing strategy, um, your, your graphic presentation. Uh, what are your promotional pieces going to look like? Um, a couple quick things, and, and I, I'm sorry if I'm talking fast. Uh, I drank coffee this morning, and I usually don't. But also, I, I keep looking at the clock and thinking, man, time is going to get away, and, and we have quite a bit of material to cover. And so, write fast. 
marketing and promotion. Um, for our events, which tend to be a little bit larger, um, we try to start marketing six months out. Some events on, on a larger scale, uh, I had the privilege of going to a Dare to Share conference, um, which is pretty large in multiple cities. And they started advertising for their 2015 conference at their 2014 conference. And so before the event was even done, they were presenting, hey, here's next year's theme, next year's locations, sign up and you can register and sign up today. On a church scale, sometimes it's hard to know what we're going to do next week yeah. as, a, as opposed to what are we going to do next year. And so we realized that. But, but even when you're marketing, how, how far out realistically should you start marketing your event? And that is going to be depend on the size of what your event is and what your, the scope. If you're doing an outreach event, you need enough time to market it to your community, uh, for people to, to get behind that vision and to, to tell their friends uh, to do other strategies like that. If it's something, if it's something small, um, if it's something small, just like a social gathering, you can do that in, in a week. I would recommend no less than two weeks, though, on an event, uh, regardless of the size. Because you need people to, to, the calendars are busy. Um, if you expect people to come to your event, you need to give them enough time to plan accordingly. And so I would recommend at least no less than two weeks, regardless of the size. Uh, preferably even four weeks. Um, we all put out church calendars, having that on. on so if, if this month is March, you have your event on, uh, when the March calendar comes out, you have that uh, ready to go uh, at the beginning of that month. And usually, hopefully, your church is putting out the March calendar in February as opposed to at the beginning of March. And so people have a, a chance to, to do those types of things. So promotion, um, web presence. How many of your churches? Yes, you have a question? What about an event like a fundraiser? A fundraiser? Yeah, I would, it, again, it just depends on, on the scope. And But if you're marketing to your community, um, again, it I, I would say at least a month, okay. yeah. Because if you fi figure the people in your church already have busy schedules and they know what's going on in your church, people outside of your church are going to have even busier schedules. Something that you're going to be selling tickets to. Okay. Um, like a state if that's the case, I would say, yeah. If, that, if that's the case, I would say at least two months, but yeah. I have a suggestion for that, and it worked yep. for me. On my Facebook, I let them know that there was an event going on, and I got a lot of feedback on through my Facebook sure. friends. So just let them know that you have a Facebook event or a fundraiser, mm -hmm. and you'll get response that way too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Social media plays a huge part. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but and that, and that ties into web presence. And how many of your guys' churches have a website? How many of your churches, like people in your church, know your church's website? <laughs> Probably half. <laughs> Probably half. A web presence. A web presence is very, very, very important. Uh, not just a social media presence. But you need to be able to point them from a social media site to a, a solid a website that is going to have some content on it. Um, it just it, it brings your event validity um, that it's not just some random person because anybody can, on a social site can throw up an event and say, "Hey, I'm having a uh, I'm having a social gathering at my house," and then you show up and they're like one other person and this person barely ever even attends church. Anybody can put that stuff up there, um, and, and so you you want to be able to direct them back to is something that can validate um, something a little bit um, more solid. Social media uh, is still a great place to, to advertise. Everybody, it seems like these days, is on social media, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, Twitter, whether it's, it's Instagram. Um, I, will I will let you know if it's a youth event, youth 
aren't really on Facebook anymore. Um, if, if you're still trying to promote a youth event strictly on Facebook, you're missing at least half of your target audience. Uh, you need to be posting on Instagram and you need to be posting on Twitter and, and getting it out there. And if you don't know how to do it, just ask one of your teenagers to do it. They'll know exactly what you're talking about and exactly what to do. Um, but if you want to communicate to teenagers, get it on Instagram, get it on Twitter, because what that is going to do is all they have to do is like it and then all their friends are going to see that they liked it and then uh, and they can invite their friends to it and stuff like that. You need to branch out a little bit more than Facebook. But Facebook is a great place to uh, to post an event, post details about your event. Um, not I, I would not recommend doing it on your personal page. Having a, a, an event page or a um, not not an event page, but a, like a church page. yeah a, a church yeah a church page. Having a page, not uh, necessarily a, a your own personal site. And so creating it on there, linking. Uh, having links to if you do registrations or if you're selling tickets, having a link back to that. Uh, details. The most important details you want to list on any of that are the pertinence. The when, the where, the why, or the, uh, any clear communication that you want. What you don't want to do is overload your audience with information. Give them. Get, it needs to be scannable. You, they need to be able to get a quick glance at it and know exactly when it is, where it is, how much it's going to cost, uh, what's going to be required of them. Um, sometimes we leave that up to guesswork as opposed to telling them exactly what they need to do. Yeah. You almost need to approach promoting an event as though you're promoting to a first grade, mm -hmm. a first grader. You need to tell them exactly what you want them to do. Otherwise, if you leave it up to guesswork, they're not going to know. And um, yeah, so we, uh, hopefully we, we all get that. Um, when it comes to social media, hopefully. Y'all know what hashtags are? Okay, when you're getting into Instagram and Twitter and even Facebook, you're, you're gonna get hashtags. And uh, that's, for those who don't know, that's the number sign next to some words that have no spaces in between them. And you're like, you're, what is up with these people's grammar? Um, <laughs> that's a hashtag. You can search by hash, hashtags. You can type the hashtags in and people can follow you that way. Uh, develop a hashtag for your event and, and start promoting that hashtag early and often. Um, don't promote just at the event. Um, Start doing it weeks before the event, and so they, they know all those things. Uh, pictures are going to be huge. Putting pictures up on there, uh, people are we we are attracted more to visual stimulation than we are verbal. And so if I see a bunch of text on a social media site, I'm I'm scanning through. But if I see a picture, I'm going to stop and I'm going to look at it. And so putting pictures on your on your social media. Now, when it comes to, to pictures on the site on the site, I do have another handout up here. Uh, one thing we, we definitely need to consider, especially if you're working with youth or children, is, is when it comes to uh, the legal ramifications of posting pictures on a public forum of your, of your youth and your children. And so one of the, the forums we have here, um, your church may or may not have Brotherhood Mutual as the, the insurance carrier of their church, but Brotherhood Mutual, and you're going to want to write this down because it's a great resource whether you have insurance from them or not, um, is, is just brotherhoodmutual.com. They have a, a tab there called resources, and they have a ton of free resources that is really going to help you and your church out when it comes to, to legal things like this. Um, but when you post pictures of teenagers and youth, you need to have signed parental consent to use those photos, to post those pictures on there. Now, sometime in a smaller church, when you know everybody, it may not be a big deal, but what if you have a visiting family that happens to come to this event and you post a picture on social media 
Um, and let, let's just give an, an example, uh, and this is hypothetical, but you have a, a, a mother and a father who are split and separated, and there's a restraining order against the father, and you post a picture on your social media site of their child, and now the father knows exactly where that child is, exactly where they can come in and pick up that child anytime they want to. There's some, some heavy, heavy legality that's involved there. And so you, want, you want, definitely want to have something in place when it comes to posting pictures, whether it's on your website, whether it's on your social media site. Uh, you need to have something in place where people are giving their consent for you to post pictures uh, on there. And, and so make sure that you have a plan in place for that. Again, seek, you, you'll want to seek your own legal counsel in regards to that. So no, don't just take this form and, oh, yeah, we're going to use this, but consult legal counsel because um, Ohio Ministry Network is not does not want to be liable for, for any of that stuff. And so uh, make, sure, make sure that you're doing that. Uh, let's see, what else? On simple things on websites. Um, okay, right up. a couple other things just as far as promotion. Um, mailings, how many guys do mailings for your events? You send out postcards, you send out, anybody know uh, roughly what the, what the percentage of people who receive that mailing, who actually attend your event is very, very, very small. small. I would, I, I've heard numbers like 3%, yeah, you're not. And, and it's very, very small. So when you're thinking about marketing your event, yes, it can be effective, but if you, if you send out 1,000 postcards to people, you're only getting like 30 people out of that. And so the, co- the, the return on investment isn't necessarily always there. You may be able to do that much cheaper through a social media, uh, through group through uh, text messaging, uh, you, you can set up group. That's a great way to keep like your team involved and uh, uh, people who are in your group involved. Like, hey, send that text out and have them send that text out, and, and you can you can do some things viral with that. Um, th- there are a number of different ways that you can get cheaper promotion uh, than just yes. What about uh, free advertising on the radio, TV, or the newspaper? Oh yeah, if you can get it free, anything you can get for free, I would say take it. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and, and when you call radio stations and newspaper, here's the thing I'm learning, like, especially in this, and I was always a little bit timid when I was a youth pastor, I'd call up and do this stuff, but what I'm learning, especially in this role, is it doesn't cost you anything to ask, and so you could call up a radio station, and a, a lot of times they'll, they'll be willing to barter, uh, hey, we could do this, or your local newspaper, uh, or even if you have to run an ad, it, could be, it would be very, very cheap to do. Um, for, any sen- for a short amount of time, uh, set up, you can work out arrangements on those things. Uh, anybody have like some type of promotional that they've done before that worked really, really well for them that you would want to share with everybody else? Just a, you can get a pay-per-click on Google, so you can buy a Google ad or a Facebook ad, and they're very inexpensive, but obviously, you know, it'll pop up, so if anybody searches church, on Google, it's the top ad if that's your keyword, and so it's it's not very expensive. I mean, if you take you know out about, a little bit of ad, you know, co- around cost of what that you would can be. you can go anywhere from fifty bucks to two hundred bucks. But if you take like in our local little newspaper, if you take out an ad like this, it's going to be two hundred bucks. Okay. So two hundred dollars, and no one shows up. You know, we took out a full page ad once, and we got like twenty five people to show up. Yeah. So. So it's Google. So Google ads. You'll see, like, if you search, it'll be right at the top. There's always an ad or whatever yeah. keywords you search, or even Facebook. 
off to the side typically. Yeah. They're like, oh, would you like to buy an ad? And you just click on it and it'll walk you through. Yeah, and the more words you choose, the more words you choose, the more costly it is. But right. it is, you know, like you could choose yeah. 20 words that's kind of, that would uh, make yours pop up the first one. Right. Yeah, ad words. And, and can you set that? I, ha I have not used those before, but can you set that dem for a demographic or a region? Well, so somebody's yeah, when people are in, Google automatically and all their algorithms puts it out where yeah. you're here, so this is why it's coming up here. Sure. So if you're five hours away, that ad's not going to pop up. Yeah. Moving quickly, I'm going to jump forward for, for a couple things, but uh, any other, just want to, any other thing, because I know promotion, promo was a big thing up on our list and want to be able to hit any additional uh, suggestions or comments or questions that we have as it relates to promo. We put flyers up in local businesses. Yeah. And, and for that, that's probably usually free. Yes. You just have to put a sign in the window. Um, or a big sign at the event, at the actual event, mm -hmm. just people passing by and they see the event. Yeah, sign, a big sign up in the front yard. Especially if it's free. Yeah. Put it free. And, like and really, so, if you don't put free, they think they have yeah. to pay. And some important things that, that you right. want to include on that sign mm -hmm. is how can they contact you for more information. Yeah. Uh, so whether your church telephone number, uh, your church website. Um, the last thing people want to do is stop into your location to try to get more information. If they're already late getting home, they want, don't want to make another stop. And so easily accessible information when it comes to promotion is probably the biggest key. Anything else? Yeah? Sometimes the schools will let you pass out flyers to the kids. Uh -huh. So you can get the children and the parents that way. Perfect. Yeah. Boys and Girls Club for me. Awesome. Okay, promotion. Let's see. All right. Uh, let's let's talk about team uh, volunteers, uh, assembling team. Um, this has been one of the in in. This is probably one of the things that consumes most of my time in the position that I am is managing teams. We have a number of event, events and. And the people that work at our events are all volunteers. Uh, we don't have paid people that, that volunteer. They're all local pastors from the state uh, that have volunteered their time to come and say, you know what, I believe in this event and, and want to. And so just a couple things. It, granted, we do have probably a little bit of a larger pool to pull from. Some of the churches are, are, are going to be smaller. Um, but just some keys when it comes to working with, with volunteers um, is to, 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 gather, to gather data on on potential volunteers. Uh, this could be a sign-up list, and, and I'm sure we, we've all done that as far as sign-up lists, but I would even take it a step further because we all know everybody has a unique personality, mm -hmm. and not everybody's personality is conducive to fitting in the role that we might have open for them. Um, for, for my job and my role, uh, I enjoy working more behind the scenes and doing the details work and setting up systems and doing things like that. I don't always enjoy being in the public spotlight. I don't always enjoy being up in front of people, giving a session or speaking in front of people. It's just not necessarily who I am. I do it because that's what God has called me to do, but it's not necessarily my personality. And so when it comes to, to putting volunteers, you want, when it comes to volunteers, it's different between having somebody who's paid and asking them to do it because it's part of their job 
versus a volunteer who is volunteering their time and asking them to do it. So we need to be very careful. So when we're putting people into positions, we do something for us that, that there's a website called uh, 16personalities.com. And, and this is just um, uh, a personality questionnaire that will give you kind of a – we do it just because, one, we like to see what how unique – individuals are made up and kind of get an insight into to what, how they're wired and what, what makes them think the way they think. And, but then also I know for, for myself, I'm, I, I tend to be an introvert, um, meaning that I, I can be around people. I like people for, for periods of time. And, and I, we used to have a running joke at, in Louisville because I made the mistake of telling everybody in the middle of the sermon that I enjoy people for about two hours and then I need to be alone. And so uh, whatever people would have us over to our house, um, over to their house for dinner or a social gathering, they would look at me and I'd sit there and I'm being quiet and they're like, oh, your two hours is up, huh? I'm like, oh, I wish I could take that back and not say it. <laughs> wouldn't have said that. So it's kind of a running joke now. Um, but I tend to be a little bit more introverted. Uh, other members on our team are extroverted. Uh, people who are extroverted love to be around people. They love to be social. They love to be in front of people. They love to have a microphone in their hand and be recognized. Those are going to be great mic people. You put an introvert on a, on a microphone or somebody who just get clams up in those situations, they're going to freak out and they're not going to enjoy the experience at all. When it comes to volunteering, you need to put people in, in places that they excel in order for them to continue to participate in those types of events. If you put somebody in a position they just do not like, good luck trying to sign them up the next time. <laughs> you want it to be a rewarding experience, not only, for, not only in that case, but you're also going to be banging your head against the wall and be very frustrated with that individual, not because it's their fault, not because it's necessarily your fault. It just wasn't the right role for them to be in. And so we use 16personalities.com, and it gives a, um, it's, the, it's the four uh, introverted, extroverted, sensing, feeling. Um, what are the other ones? Yeah, so so, so you can go on that side. It gives it, it, it gives a, a <laughs> number of it gives a number of breakdowns. But then it and then it also gives you a, a real great breakdown of where these people would excel in in a volunteer or workplace environment. What kind of situations that you want to put them in? Uh, what kind of situations you don't want to put them in? What kind of people you want to put them around to work with? Um, and and if for me, it gave me great insight to some of my team members need constant encouragement. They want to be recognized for what they're doing. Other people could care less about that. But I know if I don't give constant encouragement to these individuals with a certain personality, they're going to be frustrated and not feel appreciated. And so we need to understand that, especially when we're dealing with volunteers, is that an, an undervalued uh, or under someone who feels underappreciated is not going to be likely to serve well uh, or to serve again. And so uh, just being conscious of that, and uh, make an enjoyable experience for both them, which will make it an enjoyable experience for you. Uh, job descriptions. This is this is very key when you have when you have volunteers working. They need to know exactly what you expect of them and exactly what you want them to do. You cannot over communicate that enough. Um, when it's left to guessing, um, oftentimes some a ball is going to be dropped somewhere. You need to communicate. And you need to know exactly what you expected. When I sign up for something, I want to know what my time requirements are going to be. I want to know um, what is, is expected just from um, my commitment on site, uh, my commitment leading up to the event. Uh, be respectful of people's time. We all know that people are busy. Uh, we're all busy. Uh, we need to be ex uh, respectful of all of the, those things. When it comes to that, you need to schedule things out as soon as possible and communicate that as soon as possible. 
If you're doing a children's event, you can't call everybody the day before and say, hey, we're having a practice. That's just not going to work. You need to schedule out um, where people are working, when they're going to work as soon as possible. Respect their time because they're busy too. And uh, give as, as much advance notice as possible. Um, you want to communicate big changes with your team, with your volunteers. Nobody likes to volunteer for something and show up and feel like they're completely and totally out of the loop. To, to be asked a question and be like, I have no idea. I'm just here to do something. I'm just here to help, and nobody's told me what I need to do because I have no idea what's going on. Communicate big changes. Uh, communicate schedule of the event. Um, the big, big thing is assign them meaningful responsibilities. Um, some of your high-level volunteers, your high-level leaders, you're going to lose them if you don't give them high-level challenges and responsibilities. And give them room to run with something. And then have the flexibility to take ownership of that and to run with it. We, I know one of my biggest pitfalls, one of my biggest weaknesses, especially in this role, and I'm, I'm learning and trying it as best I can, is, is the micromanaging of wanting to make sure the details. And, and I, I always had the mentality that if I wanted it done right and I wanted it done, I would just do it myself. But when you get into an event of, of a large scale, you can't do it all on yourself. You need to, to be able to assign tasks out and, and hold them responsible to it and let that give them the freedom to run with it. Um, that does not mean, what that does not mean is that does not mean that you don't check up on them. It does not mean that you don't set deadlines for them. It does not mean that you don't ask for reports on, hey, what is the progress of, of how is this going? <coughs> but it, what, it, what, it, what it does mean is that you don't go in there and say, hey, this is how I want this done, boom, 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 and give them no flexibility to do that. High-level level leaders and volunteers need high-level challenges and responsibility. Um, just a couple other things. You want to include them in debriefing and evaluations. And lastly... The biggest thing is you cannot, right, I stress this enough, you cannot say thank you enough. These are people who are volunteering their time, volunteering their many times their resources. You cannot say thank you enough. And thank you doesn't have to be financial, just verbal uh, public recognition, mm -hmm. private recognition. Anytime that you can say thank you and, 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 and make them feel validated and appreciated, uh, go for it. Some of them will hate it like I do. I hate it. But other people, you'll, you'll find less of those people and more people who do appreciate it than anything else. Yes? At our church, when uh, the volunteers for Children's Church here, they have at the end of the year like a pool party or something to say thank you to everyone that stepped up and helped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an appreciation. We, we used to have an appreciation dinner. Um, doing something like that is a great tool. But, and you, you'll want to do things like that. You'll also want to do it publicly at the event and privately with, with uh, thank you cards when it's done. Um, this day and age, we, we, uh, it's nice to get a message on Facebook saying thank you, but it means just a little bit more when you, when they, you get a card in the mail that says thank you. And, it, and it's just, it really doesn't say anything different. It's just the effort that you put behind it. Um, so, so do that. When it comes to team management, one of the things we use in our office, and uh, I, it, I'm pretty sure it does have a free version, um, you, you get a certain number of projects in this free version, but you can invite as many people as you want to, is a program called Basecamp. Uh, has anybody heard of Basecamp before? Basecamp is basically a, a project management. It's, it's all web-based. They have a mobile app. But what it allows you to do is to 
have continuing discussions about projects. Um, we use it because our, our pastors are, the volunteers are all spread out all over the state and it, it one, it's not cost effective or time can effective to, uh, to pull together and have constant meetings, nor is it effective to communicate just by email. Because when you send an email and you attach like a bunch of people on that email, if they just hit reply, it only comes back to the person who sent it. You have to hit reply all and not everybody remembers to do that. But Basecamp, what it allows you to do is assign tasks. So my high-level leaders, I can assign, hey, I need this done. You are responsible. Here's the deadline date. It allows you to have discussion. So you can have a continuous discussion. It sends out emails to everybody in that discussion. Um, you can attach documents for people to look at uh, and to review. It connects with Google Drive and Google Docs so you can edit spreadsheets or documents together. Um, and so it's just a central hub. Uh, Lance and Eric are, are both on our. Uh, Where did you get this up? Camp, it's, it's just basecamp.com. Yep, basecamp.com. Uh, we have a paid version of it, but uh, I think I think it has a free version. Sort of uh, like planning center. Kind of, yep. Kind of like planning center. Planning center would probably do the same thing. So, um, but I think there is a costly fee associated with that. I think basecamp you can do it free, but I think it's only like maybe one project or a certain number of projects. I can't remember exactly what it is, but that's what we use. Even if you do pay for it, they have a nonprofit discount. And so you can get a nonprofit discount associated with it. Uh, and it is, it, I think the, the entry level is only maybe, it's less than $20 a month, I know that. Um, and so, so that's a great resource that we use. Uh, lastly, just when it comes to event planning, major key, make it fun. Have fun. Uh, Reggie Joyner states in his book, Playing for Keeps, that fun over time convinces, especially in student ministries, convinces your students you actually like them and deepens and strengthens your relationship with them. I would venture that over to, to children's ministry as well. Christmas plays and Easter's plays and, and BBS. And make, it, make it fun for your workers. Make it fun for the students. Make it fun for the people involved. Uh, because when you make it fun, um, it's going to be an enjoyable experience. It relieves some of that stress and that tension that often goes behind it. It doesn't mean that stress and tension is going to go away, but it means that you can alleviate some of that by, by making it fun. One thing that our production manager at Reach Conference did that was simple, but it made it fun and promoted unity within her team was that she simply uh, she gave out awards at, at the start of the day. So we had services on Friday. Saturday morning, we started off with a production meeting that just goes through like all the details of what's going to happen that day and lights and media and all that stuff but before we, we we started into the details of that she simply gave out awards for that day and they were just smaller small dollar store toys um, but they symbolized something like uh, Lance what did you get I got a little poppy thing a little poppy thing what was the point behind the poppy thing uh, just to have a poppin weekend a poppin weekend <laughs> so sometimes it's yeah, you're going to make this event, event pop, or, or you can put meaning behind it. Like, Lance, you're always quick to jump up whenever somebody needs yeah. something and it's popping up, or uh, just add meaning behind that. But it, it brought recognition to those people, and it validated them uh, that what they were doing mattered and that somebody noticed and somebody cared. And so make it fun, just little things like that. It doesn't take much. Uh, it just takes a little bit of effort. But, but even put somebody in charge of it, somebody who's creative like that and just has a spirit of encouragement. Um, put, them, put them over that, said, Hey, here's, here's what I need you to do um, and validate that. Um, getting through some of these things, so that was, that was a lot of planning. Um, 
where to start. I think the book hits that pretty good. Volunteer recruitment, we kind of hit on that. Any questions as it relates to possibly volunteer recruitment or? Um... Okay, perfect. One of the last things, the big thing I want to hit on is, is thinking through guest, guest safety at our events. Um, when I was a youth pastor, we had, we used to do a slip and slide. We had a big hill out in our front yard, and so we set up tarps and we did a slip and slide uh, every year at our church. And uh, as a youth pastor, you don't think about safety. You just think about how can I make this more awesome? And so one of the ways I thought it would be more awesome was to make it longer and bigger. The only problem was at the end of this hill was a parking lot. So you have the tire bumps and stuff like that. And so I'm thinking, okay, one, we, we have it stopping short of the parking lot, so they're just going to go into grass. But there was this little obstacle in the way of a handicap sign and an electrical pole. And so I thought to, I thought to myself, you know what? I'd... We need to set up a barrier for them not to hit this. And so the great idea, not I didn't have, somebody recommended to me, I don't know if they were joking or not, was to set up a table at the end of the slip and slide. So that way they hit the table instead of the, the sign or the pole. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So we set up a table, a wooden table, at the end of the slip and slide. And so kids are going down, and it started good. Like, they, they were stopping way before the table. No problem. But the more soap we put on them, the, the, the more they slid, the farther they slid. And then I'm up there running the hose, and I'm hearing a boom. Oh. Boom. Bam. So kids are really starting to smack this table now. And I'm just thinking, whoo, man, yeah, you hit that table hard. Come on, do it again. And so they're popping up. And they're like, yeah, they're resilient. Until one kid went down, a girl, and the next thing I heard was just this blood-curling scream. And so not only did I use a wooden table, but I used a wooden table that had a hole in it. And that was not the best idea because her hand hit the hole just right, popped through, and sliced her hand open. And uh, we had an emergency on her hand. She had to go to the hospital and get stitches. Uh, later on, I found out another kid hit it and popped his knee open. He had to go to the emergency room and get stitches. Needs to say, I didn't really think through the safety of this event. And, uh, and sometimes we may not think, regardless of where, what our event is, we may not think through the safety of our, of our event. And we would do permission slips if we were going to, like, Cedar Point or something like that. But I never thought to myself, hey, I should probably get, like, signed parental consent or medical emergency forms or something like this to have enough. Fortunately for us, the kids who got hurt, their parents were part of the church, and so they knew when they were understanding and they were cool with it. But, it, but what if this was a guest? whose parent had no idea, who was not a believer. And, I mean, we could probably could have gotten some major trouble because we didn't ask permission. We didn't have anything signed from the parent. And so you're going to want to have a plan in place for guest safety. Uh, Lance, we also have, did you pass up? We have, so again, from Brotherhood Mutual, just a sample uh, participation uh, medical form that has uh, some contacts. Here's the, here's the thing that I'm finding out with these. And, again, you're going to want to consult your legal counsel when you Anytime you make up a form and have parental sign. But what I'm finding a lot of times with these, especially with, in relation to our camp, we run a pr pretty intense camp. Anybody either attend camp or have kids that attend our camps? Or have heard about our camps? We run a pretty intense camp. It, it tends to get muddy. It can be a little bit crazy. Uh, kids can get hurt <laughs> a little bit. Um, and we, we have lengthy medical forms that, that students need to find and fill out. 
But we're, what we're also finding is when we take a student to urgent care, they need two things. They need a signature from a parent, and they need the, the copy front and back of their insurance card. Otherwise, urgent care will not treat them until they can contact the parent and get that information. And so if you're doing a big event, if you could have a copy of your students' or children's uh, uh, parents' medical card on file, and the parents are good with that, I would highly recommend doing that. Because what, in, a, in a situation, we had a kid break his collarbone one year. Um, and he had to go to urgent care and had to sit there for a couple hours because we could not get in contact with his parents. Because he had a signed med medical form, but we didn't have an insurance card. And so he had to sit there until we could get a hold of his parents. And then his parents gave him permission that they could treat him and tell him that, hey, I'm sorry, we can't do anything. We need to send you to the hospital. So really, he sat around for three hours just to be told he had to go to the hospital. And um, so you're going to want to have something like that. Having a signed medical form, uh, parental release, I would re recommend doing that for every big event that you do. Irregardless, some people do it once a year. That's what we used to do in Louisville. I'm finding that that is not always the best practice. Um, that you, you probably need one for every single event that you do. Now, if it's a reoccurring event, according to Brotherhood Mutual, if it's a reoccurring event where you're going to do this event every single week, let's say you have a bowling, and you go bowling every single week or um, once a month or something like that, you can fill out. But if it's a different activity, you almost need one for every activity that you're doing. Um, it becomes a hassle. It becomes a pain. But trust me, it's going to be much more of a hassle if you have to face legal issues because... Uh, you set up a table at the end of a slip and slide and the student put their hand through it. Um, also, when you're playing an event, you want to have a, an event medical plan. An event medical plan. They call it an EMP. Uh, this, this doesn't have to be super intense, super long. Um, it could basically essentially be uh, just a plan of action when it comes to treating emergencies. Who, is gonna, who are you going to call if not Ghostbusters? I know you're thinking of there. Um, but who is your plan to call uh, in case of emergency? Are, are you calling uh, the local uh, urgent care? Are you calling the ambulance? For us at camp, it's, it's the local urgent care in Sunbury. Um, that is our first call if something happens. Uh, we also have a plan in place that if we have nurses on staff at Heartland, and if they deem, deem that it, it, it is something that needs to be treated, our first call is to the, to the parent. Because we want parental consent. We want the parents to be able to notify, this is a situation. This is what happened. This is what our nurses are recommending. What would you like us to do? And sometimes they say, well, you know best. Go ahead and do it. But sometimes, hey, we don't have insurance. Or I don't want to get that doctor's bill. I'm going to come pick them up. Well, as a parent, they have that right. And so we will, we will make them as comfortable as possible. Do what we can. Unless it's something huge and they're bleeding and they're spleen and all that stuff. And, I'm not saying that has ever happened at our camp, and God willing, it never does happen at our camp. But just in case, you want to plan. Again, uh, expect the best, but plan for the worst. Have a plan in place when something happens. Um, and, and again, that could be just who is responsible for that. Are you going to have a nurse on site? Are you going to have paramedics on site? Um, does your event warrant something like that happen? Um, I, I would highly recommend if you can find somebody in your church who, who is trained in that area to have them at least be there as, as somebody who can, who can help. Um, we had a, a situation, uh, not at our camp, but another youth ministry who decided who, uh, they wanted to have a relay and just eat a big peanut butter sandwich. And you think, well, peanut butter sandwich, that's good as long as you don't have peanut allergies. But the student ate the peanut butter sandwich and didn't have anything to drink. And, and they got lodged and they suffocated and they, they passed away. Innocent game, thought like nothing of it, but 
in that moment when you when when you're not thinking about that, the worst case scenario could happen. Expect the best, but man, you need to plan for the worst. Um, one thing I always had parents expect from me and want to know, and one question that your parents are always going to ask, whether you're dealing with children, whether you're dealing with youth, is, is can I trust you with my child? Mm-hmm. And we always want to answer in the affirmative that yes, you can trust me with your child, and not just by our words, but by our actions, and, and prove that we can, you can trust us with your child. Um, they used to make fun of me because we went on a missions trip uh, one year to, to Indiana, and while we were in Indiana, this really isn't a good thing. I, no, it was in Dayton, actually, Fine Arts Festival. It wasn't really a good thing because I wasn't really paying attention, and I was stopping at green lights, and it happened on more than one occasion. So, but there, I had a parent with me who, who commented on that and still would comment years afterwards that, oh, you are so safe, you even stop at the green lights. And, and it's kind of funny, but those are things that parents remember because they're always asking a question, can I trust you with my child? And so this individual always had a great relationship, and, uh, and knew that I, she could trust me with her kid because I even stopped at the, at the, the green lights. A couple of things, real quick. I know we're running out of time. We only got a couple minutes. And I didn't plan on going this long. But timelines. Timelines for your event. In that book are going to be sample timelines. Uh, we also have here uh, the Insight magazines. These are, we can go ahead and pass it up. Oh, you pass it on already? No, pass Okay. Um, again, if, if you're a church, please take This is something we put out as a resource from Ohio Youth Ministry. As it relates to events, oh, oh good. But this resource, basically, uh, it's one of our promotional pieces. We try to put out at the beginning of the year that is going to highlight every event we do for the entire calendar year. It's going to give you details. It's going to give you costs, where, when. But one of the things we added this year was um, just a sample timeline. Uh, a timeline, it's in towards the back of the, the magazine. So we take a look all the way at the back. There's, there's timelines for each of our events. And basically all this is doing is walking you through, okay, six months out, this is what you should be planning for. Three months out, this is what you should be planning for. It looks like a wedding planner. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very similar. But we, what we want to do is, especially in student ministries, is to give part-time or bivocational uh, minister or pastors, volunteer leaders, just a chance to say, hey, this is, I'm going to walk you through what you need to do. And a timeline is very important for you when you're setting up an event. Because you need to know when things need to be done by. You can't wait for a week before the event to, to plan all the food that you need to plan for for a huge fundraiser. You can't plan a week before the event to start selling tickets for your event. You need to have timelines in place. Who's doing who, and then who's responsible for that items? That booklet, that outreach booklet, has some great sample timelines of things you'll, you'll want to check that out. We use them. We depend upon them uh, for the events that we do. Um, All right. Again, I have a, a ton of notes that are going to be on the website. One last thing I just want to get to is fundraising. Make sure you have a vision in your fundraising. Set a goal in your fundraising. If you don't have a goal and it's just, hey, it's a shot in the dark. We're not looking for any set amount. People aren't going to know what to give for. But if you have a goal and say, hey, just give towards this. But if you say, hey, we're looking to raise $5,000 for this, you might have somebody in your church who would say, you know what? I know what that goal is, and I know exactly how much I can give. Uh, I'm going to give towards that. Set up increments. Uh, it's way easier to give. If you don't give it, if you don't leave it open, if you leave it open-ended, some people don't know what's the appropriate amount to give. But if you say, you know what? We're looking for, I think we did fundraisers before where it was a, uh, we had we had a blocks up on the wall, and so they were hey purchase a block for twenty five bucks, and so when you purchase a block for like twenty five bucks, 
you know exactly how much to buy. You can buy more than one block. You can buy more than one here, or you can give the speed of light at $10. Here's a donation thing. Click as many times as you want, but you, you're setting a defined goal. Oh, what you're asking me to give is not open-ended. It's not left to guesswork, but you're asking me exactly what you want me to give. I'm way more, uh, $10? Yeah, I can do $10. Or $50? Okay, I can do $50. And they give them the freedom to, to, to purchase as many as they want, as opposed to just saying, give whatever the Lord leads you. That works in some cases. In some cases, people want to give a lot more, but it's definitely more effective if you, if you give them uh, specific tasks. 